Good evening. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your love and truth. Please soften our hearts in preparation for the message you have for us this evening. Amen. An elderly woman had just returned to her home from an evening of religious service when she was startled by an intruder. As she caught the man in the act of robbing her home of its valuables, she, she yelled, Stop! Acts 238, which is, two for, which is turn from your sin. The burglar stopped dead in his tracks. The woman calmly called the police and explained what she had done. As the officer cuffed the man to take him in, he asked the burglar, Why did you just stand there? All the old lady did was yell a scripture at you. Scripture, replied the burglar. She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> Cute, huh? We don't often think of scripture as a weapon, but Hebrews 4.12 states that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Additionally, in Ephesians, Paul instructs followers of Jesus to put on holy armor and wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But more on that in a bit. In Acts 16 tonight, we we heard the brief story about Lydia's conversion. She was initially introduced as a woman from Thyatira, which is in Macedonia, or modern-day Europe, so she is actually known as the first European convert. She was a seller of, seller of purple goods, and Thyatira was actually well-known for its unique purple dyes, one of the more rare and expensive dyes. So Lydia was prosperous, a successful businesswoman with a spacious home and household. Lydia was also introduced as a worshiper of God. Lydia seemed to have it all, right? A business, a household, prosperity, and faith life. But God had something much greater to give Lydia, the gospel message, which would ultimately change and shape her identity. So Paul shared the gospel message with Lydia. Perhaps he also told her of his history, how he was tortured or her tu- how he was tutored by an esteemed rabbi, how he zealously followed the precepts of the law, how he worked to achieve righteousness and earn the favor of God, and then finally, how his identity and life's work was completely transformed when he encountered Jesus. Paul would then share about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who came to earth to fulfill the law, to show us how to live the abundant life, to demonstrate the extravagant love of God, to atone for our sin through his death on a cross, and to overcome death so that we have the promise of eternal life with him. As Paul shared the gospel message with Lydia, the Lord opened her heart, and she believed. Lydia was baptized. Her household was baptized. And then she opened up her home to Paul and his companions. Later, when Paul would be released from jail in Philippi, he would again visit Lydia's home, which had become a gathering place for believers, one of the first house churches. Again, when Lydia heard the word of God, it penetrated her heart. She responded by being baptized taking on a new identity as a believer in Jesus and sharing her household and resources with fellow believers. We've looked a bit at Lydia's transformation and new identity. Now let's take a moment to look at her own. At some point, we all ask the same questions. 
Who am I? Does my life matter? What should I do with my life? For me, personally, I have most battled over the questions, am I good enough? Am I valued? Am I lovable? Am I worthy? And the evil one whispers, are you sure? How do you know? Have you seen the beauty and success of this person? How do you compare? The evil one loves to oppose who God says we are. We see it right away in the garden when Satan craftily tells the woman, for God knows that when you eat from the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan subtly told the woman that she was not enough, that she needed to be like God. And Eve bought the lie. God created Eve and said she was good. Satan questioned that truth. The identity battle is one we all walk through. It's often a battle we continue to fight because we live in a world that tries to tell us we need many things to be happy and complete. Success, money, stuff, accomplishment, talent, the right social connections, admiration, the list goes on. The world, and ultimately Satan, tries to tell us that we need more and to be more and that if we could just secure that next job or thing or evidence of status, that we could be and then would be somebody of importance and value. The gospel message, however, turns those ideas into utter nonsense. When I struggle with the evil ones nagging about whether I am worthy and good, God has led me to his word. And this is what it says. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Colossians 2.10 When we are in Christ, we are brought to fullness. So this means that with Christ, I am complete now just being me. I will never be more or less worthy in God's sight than I am right now. I don't have to do or achieve or be like someone else. I can very simply be me, a new creation in Christ. I can take pleasure in the things God calls me to do, knowing that my success or failure in that undertaking does not define me. So as I stand up here in front of you and as I prepared this at home, I clung to that The truth that whether I succeed at this or fail, it doesn't define me. Because Jesus is my affirmation. Jesus is my acceptance. Jesus is my approval. And I am loved by God for being me. And you are loved by God just being you. Right where you are, right now. For nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I have come to adore spring, and I sure wish it was really here, right? Don't you just love the spring days when you can sit out on the deck or the porch and the breeze might still be refreshingly cold, but the rays of the sun wash over you and warm you through? Or how about watching the grass burst forth in vibrant green after it has soaked up a warm spring rain? Boy, I'm ready. This is how God wants us to experience his love and his truth about our identity, to bask in it, to soak in it, and then to live out of his love. So tonight, let his words about you soak in, sustain you, and change you. Listen for the truth about your identity that God wants you to hear tonight. These are his words. Living water, for you, for me. 
You are a child of God. As a child of God, you are a fellow heir with Christ. You are a friend of Jesus. You are a new creation in Christ. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You have been accepted by Christ. In Christ, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You have been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. You are God's workmanship, created to produce good works. You have been made complete in Christ. God loves you and has chosen you. Indeed, you have been chosen by God and you are holy and beloved. This is the new identity Lydia took on in baptism and the identity that we too can and should claim. I'm going to be honest though. Sometimes even when I'm reading God's truth or know God's truth in my head about my identity in Jesus, the truth simply doesn't feel true about me. Maybe you feel this way. Fortunately, God loves me and God loves all of us and has refused, he has refused to leave me stuck in that place. He's been teaching me how to fight this battle and I want to share it. Galatians 3.27 states, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In Ephesians 6, Paul instructs the believers to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So every day, Clothe yourself with Christ. Who is he? Put that on. Put on the full armor of God. Take God's truth about who you are and buckle it around your waist. Wear it. Claim it. Put on the, breast, the breastplate of righteousness, which is not our own righteousness, but his righteousness. Put on shoes that remind you to be ready to carry the message of his love to the world. Pick up the shield of faith. Because, man, we have to have faith in the truths that we carry. Put on the helmet of salvation, which is the knowledge that nothing I do can earn salvation. It's about what he has already done. And carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Tonight, I echo Paul's prayer from Ephesians. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Friends in Christ, part of our inheritance is a new identity. An, an identity rooted in Jesus Christ that says we are good, we are loved, we are worthy, and more. 
May we claim this identity, put on his truth about who we are in him, and wield the strength of his truth when the world challenges us. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for the word of truth and light that you have given us. Holy Spirit, penetrate our hearts with this truth and help us to live in the knowledge of your love. Jesus, thank you for calling us friends and for clothing us with your righteousness. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.